Hello and welcome to Bible 101. Please enjoy our Bible 101 series as we explore Genesis through Revelation. Also, listen to our roundtable discussions as myself, Greg Ross, and Eric Feeman talk about the major theological discussions of the Bible. Also, enjoy some of our interviews and apostolic apologetic series. We thank you so much for listening. Please let us know what you think by emailing BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E-29 at gmail.com. And also leave a comment to let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Bible 101, lesson number 38. Today we're going to be finishing up our Bible 101 series talking about the book of Revelation. It's been quite the journey, but I appreciate your patience and endurance getting all the way through the series. There has been many, many people that have uh, listened to this series as we've gone along, and I am absolutely amazed. I believe I counted today some 28 states uh, in the United States, and then uh, there's many, many countries all the way from... uh, 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 there's Canada, and there's been uh, the Virgin Islands, and uh, there's Germany, and uh, we've had some from uh, Australia, and just on and on and on, the Czech Republic, and uh, honestly, I don't have the list in front of me, but I counted many, many countries, and I counted many, many states, so thank God for that. To God be glory, and I appreciate everybody that's taken time to tune into this and listen, but uh, we're going to actually be going through the book of Revelation. I'm not going to get too in-depth into the interpretation of it. I'm only going to give a basic overview, so the book of Revelation is written by one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, John. His focus in his uh, gospel was Jesus as God, and he continues that theme in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then also here in the book of Revelation. It's assumed that this is written sometime around 90 A.D., um, and if that be the case, Jerusalem had already been destroyed. Uh, The Christians were under tremendous persecution. They had already faced persecution under previous rulers, but they're still facing persecution, and part of that persecution is Peter has already been put to death, Paul has been put to death, and John is one of the last standing disciples, and he's been sent to the island called Patmos, and they're trying to get rid of him. That's where they sent their prisoners, uh, and they sent him there. And so Lord only knows how long he had been without food, and he was surrounded by water. But here he is in this lonely situation, and God gives him this beautiful vision. So he writes this vision to the seven churches which are in Asia. You can read that in Revelation 1 and 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you in peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Okay, and if you want to know where I got from uh, the text that John was on the island called Patmos, verse 9 says this, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, which was in the isle uh, uh, that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So he was not there because he had done some great crime. He was only there because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. They were facing tremendous persecution. Now he writes for several purposes. Number one, to give them the vision which he had received received on the island called Patmos, but also he writes to the seven churches because Jesus had given him messages. You can read these messages to the seven churches, and I'm not going to go too in-depth into them, Uh, the seven churches of Asia Minor. It is uh, beneficial to look at a map uh, of, of Asia and to look at how all these churches are set up. They're actually not far from one another, uh, not that far. And uh, he writes to, first of all, Ephesus, 
And the message to Ephesus is basically that the Lord was pleased with a lot of things about Ephesus, but he was not pleased with the fact that they had left their first love. And that is a danger that faces the church today, that we can do a lot of things that are right. Uh, in this case, they did a lot of good works, but the Lord said, I'm about to remove your candlestick out of your place unless you repent because you left your first love. And one translation says you left the, the, the love that you had at first. Uh, it is a danger for us to get entangled uh, in just doing the works for the Lord and forgetting about our purpose. That is to fall in love with Him. That is to serve Him. That is to obey Him. That is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't get so tied up in just doing works for Him that you forget about a relationship. And so that was the message to them. And then there's the message to Smyrna. And they had great poverty and they faced great tribulation. But the Lord gave them encouragement, told them not to fear and uh, he, he told them that if you overcome, you will not be hurt by the second death. And we'll find out later what that was. Then the third church was the church of Pergamos. And uh, to this church, he tells them that, uh, that you're dwelling right where Satan's seat is at. And in the Bible, you can read about, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a spiritual hierarchy, and there are certain places where Satan has set up his seat or his throne, and uh, his activity is greater in these places. And so he said, that we we're told this from this portion of Scripture, but he's, because he said, uh, Pergamos, you're dwelling right, right where Satan's seat is. And he, he talks about Antipas, which was a faithful martyr who had been slain. But he said, you have some there that are holding uh, to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. This is Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 14. And then he says, there's also some that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And I'm not going to get into what all these doctrines were, but there were, there were people in that church that were trying to hold on to the truth, but at the same time trying to hold on to these doctrines of compromise. That's what Balaam is, a spirit of compromise. And uh, Balaam was in it for the money, and he sought to compromise so that he could still please the ruler of Moab and somehow still please God. You can't please the two. No man can serve two masters. Jesus said either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the, the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Then the uh, next church is the church of Thyatira. And uh, here he gives the message that uh, they are accepting a woman by the name of Jezebel. This is a literal woman. The Bible calls her woman. Jezebel probably wasn't her right name, but it's talking about the spirit that was driving this woman. She called herself a, a prophetess. She was teaching the servants to, uh, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. She was telling them, in other words, you don't have to abandon that Gentile lifestyle. You can still hold on to that and hold on to God at the same time. And so once again, we see compromise was coming into the church. We're facing the same thing in our day and hour. There is compromise. And the Lord said, I'm about to come in and I'm going to judge her. All that commit fornication with her, I'm going to throw them into a bed. And that, that is a sick bed if you look into the interpretation of that. And uh, then uh, he tells them, the others need to hold fast till he comes. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And if you read, Jesus is the one that rules with a rod of iron. So in other words, they're going to rule with Jesus. As the vessels of potter shall they be broken of shivers, even as I received of my Father. And I will give unto him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Can uh, Also in our day and in our hour, God is speaking. We 
need to have an ear to hear what he's saying. And that's how he closes all of these messages to the seven churches. And then to the next church is the church of Sardis. And uh, this is what he says to them. These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thou works and that, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. So he said, you have a name that you're alive. Everybody thinks you're alive, but you're really dead. Can I say that um, how God sees us and how man sees us are usually two different things. Just because man is pleased with you, that's not what you need to take confidence in. Hopefully God will be pleased with you. And so uh, he gives them a message. He says, but yet even in Sardis you have a few there that have not defiled their garments. And then he says, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now stop. This is a very, very important point. Now, I've kind of sped through all of this so far, but this is extremely important because there's some that teach, once you're saved, you cannot be lost. That's not what the Scripture teaches. He, he warned them. He said uh, that there are some uh, that have defiled their garments, but to those that have not, he said, I will not blot out your name out of the book of life. But what that tells us is if you, your garments are defiled, he will blot your name out of the book. So it is possible for you to lose the Holy Ghost. It is possible for you to fall away from God. <clears throat> Jesus told his, his disciples, he said, take heed that no man deceive you. He told that to the disciples. So if even the disciples were in danger of deception, we are also in danger of deception as the church. And then he gives a very encouraging message in the middle of all this uh, to the church of uh, Philadelphia. And he says, I know your works. I've set before you an open door. No man can shut it. Thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Some people will point to those verses and say that this is talking about the rapture of the church and you can escape the the time that's about to come uh, and I'm not going to get into all that and then finally there's the message to the church of Laodicea <clears throat> now I will mention some people see uh, seven church ages here and they say that we're in the age of Laodicea and basically the Lord had nothing good to say about Laodicea he said I know your works you're neither hot or cold uh, I would you were hot or cold because why would he say that well obviously if you're hot you're on fire for God but if you're cold uh, perhaps you can recognize that you have a need but because you have just enough of God to be satisfied uh, then you don't recognize that you need more of God You're, you have just enough to be satisfied we are all in danger of this happening just like we're in danger of losing our first love just like we're in danger of compromising like some of these other churches we're also in danger of having just enough of God to feel lukewarm and uh, we're just warm enough to be satisfied and and but what actually he's referring to is in Laodicea they were known for several things and one of those was they they had uh, a lot of good medicinal things about Laodicea they were a very rich place but also at the same time uh, Laodicea was known for their lukewarm water so there's both a physical and a spiritual aspect of this scripture so Jesus is reaching into the physical and he's using it to give Give them an illustration of what they look like in the spirit. He said, it's not just your water that's lukewarm. It's you, Laodicea. You need to wake up. You need to get on fire for God. I would you are rather cold or hot. You need to make up your mind. I'm reminded of what Elijah told the children of Israel. He said, how long halt you between two opinions? Uh, 
you know, so many people in the church world today want to halt back and forth between the world and God, the world and God, the world and God. You need to get in this thing and you need to get on fire for God. And then what's so sad is he says this. Uh, let's go down to verse number 19. Uh, excuse me, 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So what's so sad is that Jesus was on the outside knocking, trying to get into the church. They had uh, gone through their tradition. They had gone through their little routines of having church, and, and they felt good enough to be satisfied, but Jesus was on the outside of the church. I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus to be on the outside of my church. I want to make sure that he is always the center of my world and of my life. And then after he gives these messages to the seven churches, uh, he calls John up to the throne. Some see in this portion of Scripture the rapture of the church. Uh, and it says, as John is in heaven, he looks down and he sees the unfolding events. Now, there's many different things that happen. And so what I'm, I'm going to just kind of give you uh, a general overview of the seals. There are seven seals. There are seven trumpets. There are seven vials. And so uh, people that believe in the rapture of the church before these events and pre-tribulation rapture, um, and I do prescribe to the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture. If I've got my vote, I'm voting for pre-trib. Uh, but I don't claim to be an expert. I don't claim to know everything. But um, what happens is there are seven seals that are broken. There are seven uh, trumpets that sound, and there are seven vials uh, that are poured out upon the earth. These are judgments that are coming to the world. And you don't want to be here when these judgments are poured out upon the earth. You don't want to face these things uh, because people that are going to be on the earth, the Bible says that they're going to curse God. It's not going to cause them to repent. It's going to cause them to turn more to, uh, away from God and to curse God. And so if you look into uh, the seals and how they describe some of the following events, some people see in this uh, the evil leader. Obviously, you can read about that, the beast, uh, which is called the Antichrist. He will win the world to himself. There will be terrible war that will come. It will be followed by famine and death. Uh, One-fourth of the world's population will die. There will be much persecution of people uh, of God who, who turn to God during this time. The Bible talks about the 144,000 Jews that are sealed. Notice they're all Jews. They're from the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000. It's all Jews. That's very, very important. And then uh, there will be uh, catastrophic, catastrophic earthquakes that will disturb the earth. The moon will become as blood, and the people in, will hide themselves in the mountains for fear. And then you can read about the trumpets, and during these, trump, uh, these judgments, hell will fall. Fire will burn over a third part of the earth. Uh, a falling meteor will fall into one-third of the rivers. The fish of the sea will die. One-third of the sea will become blood. Poisons will contaminate one-third of the water supply, and many will die. Great darkness will uh, come over the earth. For five months, scorpions will sting people on the earth. It's talking about uh, locusts. They look somewhat like locusts, but uh, they have the hair of the woman and teeth of a beast, and, and uh, they, they, they uh, bite people. And for five months, people will want to die, but they will not be able to die, yet they will still not repent. Then an army of 200 million uh, horsemen will come and, and kill one-third uh, one of the population, or uh, 200 million. Um, and, and some people see in this, uh, I, I know how the Bible describes it, uh, but some people see in this an army, a literal army, 
uh, coming in, and some people have, have talked about different nations that that could possibly represent. Again, I'm not going to get into the interpretation. I'm only giving you a basic overview of what's written about in the book of Revelation. And then we have the seven vials. Uh, the vials represent God's judgments for the tribulation. There will be awful sores that will afflict those that have the mark of the beast. So the the uh, the beast, the Antichrist, will force people to take a mark. And they said it's the number of a man is number 666. And in that, some people see that uh, God's perfect number is seven. Six is one short of seven. And uh, so they'll have to take the number 666, probably not a literal number of 666, but it's the number of a man, meaning imperfection, uh, one short of God, in other words. And then it says uh, uh, those that have taken that mark will suffer awful sores. And then everything in the ocean will die. The water will become blood. The sun will burn hotter than usual and will scorch people. The earth will be thrown into darkness and great pain will come upon people. The river Euphrates will dry up so the armies of the east and come to Armageddon. And hell will fall, destroying whole cities. And uh, then uh, the Bible talks about much of the world's population will die during this period. And the Antichrist will reign uh, during all of this period. He'll set up a one-world government. Uh, there will be one world government. There will be uh, uh, a cashless society, many see in this. And uh, the Antichrist will stand up and oppose God. All of this will culminate in the battle of Armageddon. And uh, the valley of Jezreel uh, is located west of the Jordan River and east of the Mediterranean Sea. The battle of Armageddon will be fought in this general area. And the name Armageddon is taken from the strategic military city of Megiddo, which was the fortified chariot city of Solomon. And so there will be uh, Armageddon. The entire world will gather against uh, Jesus and the people of God. Jesus will come back. Uh, the Bible says this time he's not going to come back as a lowly servant. He's going to come back with his eyes as a flaming fire. He'll come back with his garments dipped and rolled in blood. He'll come back with a new name. He'll come back with a sword coming out of his mouth. He'll judge the nations. And at this battle of Armageddon, when the entire world comes against the people of God, uh, Jesus will overcome the world. He'll take the, the Antichrist and the false prophet, who's also written about in the book of Revelation. The false prophet is the one that will cause people to worship the Antichrist. Please excuse me for moving so quickly, but I, I'm trying to cover all of this material quickly. And uh, he will take them both, and he will cast them uh, into uh, the lake of fire. But then he'll take the devil, and he'll bind him up for a thousand years. And for a thousand years, the Lord will reign and uh, the earth will be, uh, will be a place of peace. This is uh, the kingdom age, as some have called it. And uh, during this period, uh, it, it will be extremely beautiful. And then after this period, the judgment will take place. And those that have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life uh, will be accepted into the kingdom of God. And those that do not have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life will fall or be cast into the lake that burneth with fire. And uh, so there's so many different things I, I do want to say about this. Uh, again, I haven't gone too in-depth into all of this, uh, uh, this portion uh, of Scripture, but I've at least given you a general overview of it. Now, let's read about the great white throne judgment, and I do want to 
uh, take some time to read this. It says here in the book of Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You might say the book and the books. What's that talking about? There's the book of life, and then there's also the books, the word of God. Your life is going to be judged based off the word of God. If you have not repented of your sins, if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, if you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, if you have not sought to live a holy, separated lifestyle, uh, your name will not be written in the Lamb's book of life, and you're going to be cast into hell. And uh, this is what it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You remember how earlier I referred to, uh, he said, If you overcome, I will keep you from the second death. This is what it's referring to. And it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then... Uh, what happens after this is the Lord sets up a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, Revelation 21 and 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Remember, Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go not away, uh, he said, but don't don't be afraid. If I go away, I will come again and receive you to, unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So he's been preparing this place for us. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be incredible. And the Bible says in verse number 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And then the Bible describes the new Jerusalem. It says this, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and all the gates twelve angels, uh, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Uh, on the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, and on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Let's skip to chapter 22 and verse number 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and of either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now one thing I will point out here is um, the fact that if you remember uh, all the way going back to lesson three of Genesis, uh, we talked about Adam and Eve when they got cast out of the garden. The angel of the Lord stood in front of the way to the tree of life to guard it. But now all the nations, those that have made it, in other words, those that have repented of the sins, been baptized in Jesus, received the Holy Ghost, obeyed God, they're going to have access to that tree of life because the tree of life gives them ability to live forever. And it says, And there shall uh, be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall 
shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. And if thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may either... Uh, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, I've taught this entire Bible 101 series, guided us all the way through the Bible. All of it will culminate in, in these final events uh, here on the earth when Jesus comes back. You want to be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus. You don't want to be on the earth during these plagues. It's going to be horrible. And you might say, well, uh, you know, I can just kind of wait things out. And when I see some of these plagues start to come, uh, then I'll just join myself unto the Lord. You will not uh, serve the Lord. If, if you can't serve the Lord in these times of peace, you will not be able to serve the Lord when these plagues are being poured out upon the earth. I personally do not believe that we're going to have another chance when the Lord comes back and He raptures the church out of this world. Uh, I believe the chance then, the eyes of the Lord turn back to the Jews and God starts to reach for the Jews again, but the nations are all going to come against the Jews. But this is our time. This is the time of the Gentiles. This is our time. It's the time that... that uh, that we have a chance. We have been grafted in. It was initially for the Jews, but thank God he's grafted the Gentiles in. Now is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. This is the day to repent. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Uh, hell is going to be a place of eternal torment. It's not just a place you get cast into and immediately get burned up. Jesus talked about weeping uh, in, in the linear tense continual and gnashing, continual of teeth. Uh, Jesus talked about eternal fire. Jesus talked about uh, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And so uh, it's going to be a place where you're not just going to be consumed, but you're going to burn forever. As long as God lives, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to roll in an eternal lake of fire and torment. I don't take pleasure in telling you these things, but I'm warning you in the fear of God, repent. If you have not yet repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. If you have not yet do these things, you need to do so today. Stop listening now. Turn
turn it off. Find yourself uh, at an altar of repentance and find yourself a church and submit to God. Stop putting it off because when God comes back, and no man knows the day or the hour of his coming, but Jesus did talk about some of the signs of the end time, that there'd be wars and rumors of wars and there'd be uh, famines and there'd be earthquakes. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of, of the Son of Man. For up until the day that they went into the ark, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, acting just like they had always acted. And the world has no concern about the coming back of the Lord Jesus. But I will tell you today that the Lord is coming. It could be today. In fact, it could be right now while I'm talking. I want to have my soul right. I, I, I pray that the Lord would move upon you with a godly fear because you don't want to be here for the plagues and you certainly don't want to be cast into hellfire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so let's pray here in dismissal for this entire series. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done with this Bible 101 podcast. I thank God that there's been people that are hungry enough to listen to these lessons. Obviously, God, if they've taken the time to listen to a podcast about the Bible, they must be hungry for God or at least curious. Jesus, I pray right now, let the spirit of a godly fear come upon them. And Lord, call them to an altar of repentance. God, move on them right now to make things right with God. It may be a lukewarm saint is listening to this podcast today. God, move on them to repent and to make things right with God. Because none of us want to be here when you come back to the earth and, and when you pour out your judgments and the battle of Armageddon and all of these things take place. But God, we want to be raptured out of here. We want to be found in the heavenly throne. God, we ask Jesus that you would fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let them be baptized in Jesus' name. Let them join a church body. Let them be ready for the coming of the Lord. We want, you said you're coming back after a bride that hath made herself ready. It's a process. we got to do it. And, and Lord, it's, it takes our own human involvement. It's something we've got to do. Make us ready for your coming, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this Bible 101 series. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. I pray that it has strengthened you and encouraged you. Please feel free to go back and listen to all the lessons again. I realize that it's taken us a long time to get through it, but we finally made it through it. And uh, so once again, let me just tell you, those of you that... Um, that may have a Spanish-speaking friend or relative. We're going to be doing a Spanish podcast, but it'll be much shorter than this one. We're probably going to do about five lessons uh, in that to just kind of give a very brief flyover of the Bible. We're also going to be doing a podcast for kids. So I look forward to those things. I'll keep you updated on that. Thank you so much for listening, and may God bless you. We hope you have enjoyed this Bible 101 episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you think. Also email BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That is B-I-B-L-E-T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E-29 at gmail.com to leave us comments, questions, or maybe ideas for future episodes. Thank you so much for listening.